Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Yeah, we are here. You guys. Are we here? Yeah, we're on. We're on. We're in the podcasting layer. We're in the podcasting layer. I'm looking at this How many Venetian different places sign. do you think we've done podcasts? A lot. I know some people have like a studio they always go to, but we travel too much for that. I know. I kept thinking I want a studio. I think it'd be nice so that we don't have to <laughs> constantly try to reset this stuff up because we don't know what we're doing. But at the same time. This is more fun. If things aren't working, we're like, well, is it turned up all the way? <laughs> is it turned on? Those are the only two things we know how to do. Yeah, we don't know how to use this box. Like we have this fancy equipment and it has all these knobs and it has like four different <laughs> places for things to put in. And we were trying to troubleshoot the other day. I was just like, we'll turn them all up. <laughs> so. Just turn them up. <laughs> they turned all the way up. That's the only thing we know. But the funniest thing is we should probably get like a legit bag for it. Danny has this old ass plastic bag i <laughs> thought that was your bag i don't know what it is <laughs> somehow we've been for like six months now i've been carrying around our stuff and this just plastic bag that's like falling apart we probably should <laughs> like a nice bag yeah, even just like true. a whole foods reusable bag like something that's a little bit more substantial <laughs> we should actually post a picture of that bag on our stories yeah it's a, <laughs> yeah so we um we're in las vegas and jill and i drove from la to vegas because we were going to do a photo shoot in st george utah which is about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Vegas. And it snowed here and it snowed in Utah. And I was, we were just weren't wanting to have to drive in that. Yeah, especially. Didn't it, snow? it was like 10 inches or something in yeah. Utah. So. And neither one of us are exactly skilled drivers, period, but also <laughs> definitely not yeah. in the snow. Yeah, we are. I mean, Jill did say her car is a bumper car now, which it does look like one, but <laughs> it's not what we wanted it to be doing. And also just to take, first off, we're also impatient. So if an, a drive takes two hours and then in the snow, it's going to add however much time. Fuck that. We're not doing it. So what do we do instead? So we, <laughs> we decided, so we were staying at my mom and dad's house. But Jill got a taste of that. So we we decided to get a hotel room for two nights. And so we're, we're staying at the Palazzo. I'm actually staring at the Venetian. We're on the it's 40th so floor. It looks really pretty. And we got this. So I have a local ID. And so I feel like I hooked it up. But uh, yeah. the guy was like, you're a local. I'll get you a good room. So this room is sweet. It's got like this um this living room that's sunken down. And our Find bedroom's up above. Yeah, find the money. You have been finding the money these last couple of days. Good yeah. job. To be honest, when I say we got this hotel room, a guy got it for us. So. Ooh. But that's another story. <sighs> find, find even more money. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> so anyway, we, um, so yeah, we're doing some extra episodes and because uh, next week, Danny and I will not be together. So sad. But um, we wanted to do a few before we go. And one of the topics that came up was around habits. And I... I, I like the idea of habits. I think it's like a good concept, but for me, it's definitely snoozeworthy. So I figured, can we do something around success, maybe rituals or success behaviors? And so Danny had mentioned like habits of successful people. And I kind of was like, I didn't really feel comfortable with that only because I feel like we don't really know what the success, like for example, my brother, you know, my brother, Dan, he's, he, he reads like so many books. Like he literally re- 
he, he's probably read like 300 books in the last like two years. Mm-hmm. And he reads a lot of like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and like these people who are, you know, multiple billionaires, whatever. And he knows all of their kind of like rituals and how they go through their life and what they do. And I think there's a lot of value in that. But, you know, one of the things to think to remember about habit is just because you do it doesn't mean you'll be successful. You'll have more likelihood to. We've talked about this in the, the early morning or the morning routine episode. So I thought we would share a couple things. Number one, how we define success personally, and maybe how we can help maybe someone listening to help define what success might look like for them. And then as a result of kind of knowing what your success looks like and what you're striving for, kind of reverse engineer it through your behaviors, right? Because they say that, you know, you create success by what you do daily. It's not what you do, you know, weekly or monthly or yearly. It's what you do in your daily tasks. So I would love to know kind of your big big dial movers when it comes to success, how, well, how you feel like some of the things that you've done have gotten you to this place that you've been able to uh, create your business, you've been successful, you have great relationships, you're an amazing networker, you obviously travel the world, you have an amazing lifestyle. What success looks like for you and then also how what those behaviors are that have kind of gotten you here? Well, I'm excited to talk about this because one of the things that Jill and I, when we do these kind of things, we write notes beforehand and then we don't talk to each other. Yeah. So I took a few notes. She took a few notes. So I'm excited to see what you have. Yeah. And I'm excited to unveil. But one of the things right before we got on was I said, well, we have to define success. And that's what's tricky is I think success is very personal. Like what success means to somebody is very personal. Um, for one person, that can be like having a family and just being happy and living in a, like owning, maybe owning their home. And for someone else, they need to have a hundred million dollars in the bank. And they, and if they don't, they feel like a piece of crap. And I actually have a friend of mine who literally has, you know, a good amount of money for most people. I would say he's making upwards of like three quarters of a million a year, but is like, I don't feel successful because my family comes from a really wealthy family. And until he makes more money than his dad, he doesn't feel like he'll be successful. So I think that defining success for yourself is important. But I also think that I think a lot of people sometimes set their bar of success too high. Like that example, I'm kind of like, well, what about your kids and your spouse? And like, how about being happy in your job? Why do you have to be making more money than your dad to be successful? So for me, I think how I define success for myself now, and I will say actually my definition has changed. I used to define success more as getting a graduate degree. Like that was really important for my family that I got an undergrad degree, that I got a graduate degree, um, that I had a house, that I had a good job. Those were all the things that I used to define success. But now I kind of define success um, on a, I don't want to say a moment to moment basis, but almost, you know, I don't, I can't look at my entire life and say, well, you're a success or a failure because of one or two things. I think we're always on a continuum. So for me, ultimately success means you're doing what you want to be doing. Um, You're living a life that you choose and that you're able to like create choices. So for me, I think more freedom is what success means to me. And I do have a lot of freedom and I do for the most part, live a life that I choose that's not on anyone else's schedule that somebody's not forcing me into or that I feel that I need to do something to like, I don't know, pay the bill. Like I don't feel like mm-hmm. a, a slave to my stuff. So for me, that's first, I want to say like, that's my definition of success. So I, I kind of want to hear like, mm-hmm. what do you define I love success? that you brought up your friend who said that he needs to be making more money than his dad, because I think a lot of times 
especially when you're younger, we do adopt our definition of success from our parents because as we grow up, we are influenced by how whatever their values are, right? So for example, most of my values were around making money, having a more traditional kind of job, a safe job, a secure job, having a 401k, having money in the bank, having savings, you know, and slowly accumulating wealth over your lifetime so that you can, you know, retire at 65 and and have plenty of money or retire at 60 or even 55, which my mom did, and, you know, have like a, a really safe, you know, kind of comfortable, very comfortable living at 55, 60, 65. And that's not a bad, I, I think that's an amazing thing if that's what, if that's what truly makes you happy. And I think for up until I was about my mid twenties, that's kind of how I defined it. And I always felt like I was making decisions to justify following my passion. So for example, you got, you know, like we got into fitness and like, I wasn't going to be a fucking millionaire in fitness. Like mm-hmm. I got into personal training when I was in college. I was a group fitness instructor since I was 16. I, you know, t- get, did, did my degree in exercise science and I literally had no idea what job I was going to get. Mm-hmm. Like I remember this distinctly and I think I've mentioned this before, my mom saying to me, well, like we're sending you to college and what, you're going to be a gym teacher? Yeah. And like at that time, it felt really like, uh, like, you know, just disarming because first of all, no, but second of all, what's wrong with a gym teacher? Mm-hmm. And to her point was we're, we're, you know, like I was lucky enough that my parents were able to pay for my undergrad and I was obviously so grateful for that. But I think that they thought as a result of putting in, you know, a hundred million, a hundred thousand dollars or however much it was to put me through school. Then on the outs- other end, I would be, you know, ha- get a six-figure job right away and put it up for my 401k and whatever. And the first job I got out of school was a salaried position. It was, it did have benefits, right? So that was something that was important to them. Yep. And I was making $27,000 out of school. And like for me, a lot of my friends didn't have a job. Yep. So I felt like I won the lotto. I was like, oh my God, $27,000 a year. I'm doing my passion. It's a full-time 40-hour work week in fitness. I was running a corporate fitness center in Washington, D.C. And I felt like I was just like, wow, I didn't even know there were full-time jobs in fitness, right? I thought I'd be working the front desk at Gold's Gym. Um, But I always made decisions based on passion. Even when I felt like I had my parents kind of breathing down my neck that I wasn't making enough money. And the ironic thing was I kept making decisions. So one of my, one of the reasons, one of the things that I define as success is kind of similar to you is making decisions based on your passion or Mm -hmm. the, the place that you, like you said, like kind of like making according to like, you know, going with your heart, listening to your heart. And so I, I remember distinct moments where I chose to go with my passion and chose to go with my heart over the more logical choice of getting a desk job or, you know, just going back to school for business. I ended up going back and get my master's in nutrition. And then I started Jill Fit when I was 29 years old. And at that point, I was probably making between personal training and working at the university where I was full-time. I worked at the university for nine years. At the end of that, I was making $40,000. So I went from 27 to eventually making 40 over nine years, right? Mm -hmm. So you spend nine years to make an extra $10,000. Yep. Which is pretty typical in a regular, you know, kind of corporate job. And it wasn't that I was ungrateful for it. I just saw a huge opportunity and I was personal training quite a bit. I was working about 78 hours a week. And at that point, I was probably making, I would say, maybe $75,000 a year total mm-hmm. at the end of that. And when I started Jill Fit that following year, I remember I made about 150000 the the first year of Jill Fit. And just because I wasn't working full time, I quit that job. I was doing all online training. I was doing still some in-person training. And after that, my income just jumped and jumped and jumped and jumped and has continued to jump every year since. And I remember the moment where I was in my early 30s 
and my income did pass my parents. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, wow, they defined success through money. Mm -hmm. They defined it through having this safe, secure job. I feel the most safe I've ever felt in my job because I always felt like it, there was somewhere to go, having yeah. my own job, building my own platform, having my own audience. Who knows what that's going to look like? But I remember that moment when my income did surpass what they were making. And I was like, wow, can they be proud of me now? Mm-hmm. And they, they are. They're proud of me, whatever. But it wasn't about the money. Like it wasn't, you know, but I remember feeling a distinct, at that point I felt relaxation. I was like, okay, I can like finally relax. I'm making more money. I have to continue to justify myself and be like, Hey, see this thing I'm doing this online business thing. It is worthwhile. Right. I felt like I was constantly trying to prove to them that it was a real job that I was, you know, that it was there, there was some longevity to it and that it was a viable business. And it was the interesting thing was they were proud of me anyway, but they started getting nervous about how much money I was making. Yeah. They were going like, Oh my God, we just don't know that somebody's like, cause it was literally like two, three, four times what they were making. And so they started getting kind of nervous. And so it was interesting to see. So if you're listening to this and you're going like, just ask yourself, do you, are you questioning how you're viewing success? Mm -hmm. Is it defined by someone else Mm -hmm. or is it truly defined through you? So I would challenge your friend to be like, why does that fucking matter? Totally. No, I have. We've had these conversations. It's like you know, if, are you happier? You know, like just because your dad makes this much money, Cause then like, what? what's his, yeah. And, and what, and what for? And sometimes like we do things to prove something to somebody, but that somebody isn't even paying attention. Right. Or we kind of are like proving the, the kids that made fun of us in high school and we're like, we're going to prove them. But meanwhile, they're not even paying attention. But I think, no. I mean, I think there's something to that, 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 if you, whatever you need to stay motivated, I guess. But yeah, I think ultimately you do have to, you do have to actually look at success and see, create your own definition. Cause I think often we are going in a definition that was placed upon mm-hmm. us. That was family, friends, surrounding people. What are some other ones besides decided, money? You know, I think, typical. um, I think fitness, um, I think people who have like, you know, if they're like, I lose a certain amount of weight, then I will be looked upon more like, you know, more favorably people yeah, look to me like so many things. So I think sometimes people think if they don't look a certain way, they're not going to be, they maybe think they'd be looked over for jobs because they don't, they're not like, oh, Sandra got it. Cause she weighs less or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can make up around. Yeah, on you your mentioned body. one degrees. Yep. Having a relationship. That's one you and I have, been, 100%. have definitely been challenged with over the last few years Yeah, of being in a relationship like, okay, I finally found my person. Thank God I can relax now. Yep. I feel successful because someone chose me. 100%. And like, and then maintaining the relationship, you know? <laughs> so, oh, great. Now you're divorced. So you failed your marriage. Great job. Um, now we're unsuccessful. You know, it's, yeah. So I think there's a lot, there's a, a lot, a lot of things that you can define success and all of that, having children. Mm-hmm. I think some women yeah. who maybe even struggle, struggle with, with, infertility, with infertility and they feel like, wow, I can't even do what my body was supposed to be doing. And so, you know, that was the thing that I wanted to define me as successful. Is I going to be a mother? So I think it really is, is like whatever it is for you. If we mentioned, I trying to think if I could think of any like real strong ones that seem popular, but at least those couple, if, if any of those resonate with you. Owning a home, I think is one too. Oh, for sure. Like owning a home, having a family, finding the, your person, having the 401k. Owning a home, owning a car. I don't even have a car, y'all. You're, it's, you are definitely not successful. It's, I mean, that's a funny thing, right? Like if you actually yeah. look at me, I am divorced, failed marriage. I don't own a home. Don't own even a freaking car. You got a fucking loser. I am a loser. <laughs> Shit. 
I kind of like sloppy. I'm not like in the best shape of my life, but I think I do have that going for me. I'm, I have a decent enough body to wear pants that cellulite doesn't show. There we go. That's my only thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know that what I, when, when I look at your life and I see someone who is living in joy. So one of the other kind of ways that I define success is also what are your top three emotions? Like what are the emotions that you spend most of your time in? And to me, if they are not positive emotions, then to me, that's not success. Mm. Personally, that's not success. Mm -hmm. So if I'm constantly feeling anxious, I'm constantly feeling miserable. If I'm constantly feeling resentful, I'm constantly feeling scared or fearful or in scarcity or hurt or in pain or uncomfortable in my situation or uncertainty. Like those to me are red flags that like I wouldn't consider the current state of where I'm at yeah. a success if I'm constantly living in those in those emotions. So I asked myself, and this is maybe just a good exercise for you guys to think about, is what are like the top three emotions that you spend most of your time in? And when I look at you, I see joy, I see ease, I see abundance, I see laughter, I see friendship, I see connection. You know, I see like all of those things. And I think for the most part, of course, we all have those moments. And I do too, where we get down or we get scared or we get whatever we get like, you know, fucking last week at in Costa Rica, fucking just <laughs> victim culture to the max, uh, bratty, grumpy, but 90, you know, 85, 90% of the time you should be in those positive emotions. Yeah. And to me, if you're not, that's a red flag. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think this is a great conversation to have just redefining what does that look like and actually creating your own definition and maybe taking a good look at if you are having more negative emotions, then maybe it's your expectation Mm. and shifting that expectation to what you actually, what your life can be if you release the expectations. So uh, just kind of back to like the Byron Katie, like who would you be without this thought? Who would you be or what would you be without this thought? So if you are like, I am a freaking loser because I'm not making more than my dad, by the time, you know, I'm 35 and by the time he was 35, he was a millionaire. Who would you be without that thought? If you weren't thinking about it, would your life actually be really great? Would you go, you know what? I have some great friends and, you know, I do have a house and I do have a car that I like and I have some cool, you know, like what, what do you have? I think it's ultimately another a gratitude exercise as well. And just looking at what you do have, because sometimes it's really easy to focus on what you don't. So and nice. I, I've had so many things in my life that were just taken away that it, made me realize what I did, you know, sometimes it takes the like losing everything to go, dang, I actually had a lot. And then even to go, I actually didn't need all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm excited. You know, so- I think about like the body change journey, you and I both did competitions for a long time. And I think about that as kind of like a metaphor for what we're talking about. So for example, you know, when I started competing, I was like, okay, I need to get, I need to get uh, lean. So I got lean for my first show. And then I was like, you know what? I can get probably get leaner actually. And then I was like, oh my God, but I'm getting too lean because now I'm losing my muscle. So I'm getting too stringy on top. So I'm losing muscle on top. So I got to add muscle back. So then I was like, ooh, but like now I'm looking puffy. Okay, I need to get lean again. And so then I get lean and then it's like, but now my strength is gone. It's like this constant never ending battle of like, okay, this is the leanest my legs have ever been, but there's still a dimple on my right butt cheek. Like (laughs) there's still always something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're constantly defining success outside of yourself, that those variables are things you could never control, yeah. right? So if, for example, a lot of people define success based on their job title. You know, it's one of those things where like you and I don't get that because we're like, uh, if someone asks me what I do, I literally say I'm a fucking, I'm like, I'm a trainer, you know, yeah. like it's just easier. So I'm not super attached to titles, 
but not that personal trainer is not amazing, but like I could say, you know, owner of this business or creator of this thing or whatever. But you know, a lot of people are really attached to that title. Even if they get no boost in money, they want a title change. They want that promotion. And so that's one of the things that like that could be taken away from you. Like so literally someone in corporate can just decide that you're not a senior VP anymore. You're a fucking, I don't know what the terms are in corporate America. (laughs) Associate. You're a project manager. I don't know which is better or worse, but (laughs) you can literally have your job title taken away. So if you're constantly, that's why I like the idea of emotions because you have control over those. You have a say in how you feel. You have a say in what you give credence to in your life. And so I think if you're constantly chasing something that is outside of your control, and I guess there could be a case made for you have control of your body, but... I think if you're constantly feeling as though success can only be bestowed upon you when you reach a certain level of status mm-hmm. based on outside kind of maybe cultural norms or societal standards, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be looking for a long time. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So we're going to do a quick Shout out to Organifi, our sponsor, who sponsors this episode. And I want to talk today about the probiotics. I have to tell you this story. So, okay. So I know you're kind of telling the same thing. So a few weeks ago, we went to Rhythmia, which you guys know. We went to Costa Rica. It's a retreat that we did there. And part of the getting comped to be there and to kind of go through the ayahuasca ceremonies is we got three opportunities to do colonics. And I don't know if you guys know what a colonic is. Basically, you put a tube up your own behind and you just flush water like through your colon for about 45 minutes. It's just... And it just helps you go to the bathroom and it helps you like clear out stuff that might have gotten stuck oh, like yeah. all the way up to like your small intestine, it, like your <laughs> liver. like. And so oh, you and I were like, oh, th- this, the more the better. To yeah. me, I'm going, okay, we're going to like do this three times. This is going to be great. Yep. Um, I don't know about you, but I totally blew up my colon. My stomach was a wreck for a week and a half afterwards. (laughs) I was nauseous. And I'm not saying, I think I've done one colonic before and it's like, and they recommend that you do one every like six months or so. Three and five days is a little much. Yeah. But the fastest way to get back to like, literally I just blew up my colon in terms of like all the microbiome. So I just was eating those probiotics like crazy. Yeah. And it just came right back within a couple of days. It's super important. Like I think we discount like gut health and our the healthy bacteria that we need. So those probiotics are healthy bacteria. We obviously flushed out all of the things, <laughs> good and bad. And so yeah, to rebuild, I know both of us were struggling with stomach issues after God. and I was like, we need to Just get back like on that probiotics. And, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. So honestly, like within a couple of days of using them consistently, I felt so much better. And even if you're someone who like, you know, I mean, some of the best stuff for your gut are like fermented foods and kombucha and stuff like that. I'm not big on fermented foods at all. So for me, probiotics are definitely the way to keep my gut healthy. And I notice when I'm off them or like if I'm having bloating or gas or anything like that, like I notice it in my skin and stuff. So I know that for me, that's always a a red flag to get back on probiotics. Dang, it's funny you mentioned that because the skin thing is real. Yep. So if you guys want to try the Organifi probiotics, they, you guys get a discount on all of their products, which they're all amazing, but go to Organifi.com, use the best life at checkout. You always get 20% off. We thank them for helping us out and helping you guys out and making us feel better so we can be amazing. So we wrote down three, well, what I wrote down was three of like my, I don't want to say success habits, but I think maybe mindsets or things that I do that I think create success. Yep. So um, my very first thing 
was, remember all those um, keep calm and carry on yeah. signs? So mine was basically to stay calm. Um, and the reason this came to mind was I was just thinking of when I was younger and less successful and more prone to freak outs mm. is that it never led to anything positive. So I remember maybe one of my first times that um, my bank account overdrafted and I was like hyperventilating, like bawling, calling friends like, I don't know what to do. Oh, they're, they're charging me a fee. <laughs> like, I can't even breathe. This is, it's like the end of the world. And uh, I just was freaking out. And that never got me anywhere. And I realized too that even if you overdraft, eventually you're going to get some money put back in, you'll get back to zero and then you'll get back to the plus sign. And so it may be, you know, maybe a day or two where you're going through that, but the freak out actually didn't help get any money back in there. There's, I'm trying to think of a couple other freakouts. The first time I like, had to pay taxes and I didn't know about the, I didn't, not that I didn't know you had to pay taxes, but I had a big amount to pay. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is going to happen to me. And, and then I just, I realized like staying calm throughout things and starting to think logically. And I'm not like, you're very strategic and logical thinking. I know a lot of people are not like there's a big range. We just took a personality test, Jill and I did. And there's there's a big range of people. Some are more creative minded, some are more linear thinking. And I'm kind of in the middle, but I think when it comes to like success habits, reminding yourself to think logically when you want to react emotionally can go so far. Just because again, this too shall pass, like everything, something they told us in Rhythmia, everything that's coming is going. But things that don't work out for you, maybe a client that didn't, uh, like you you were like, oh my gosh, I got this client, it's gonna be a big chunk of money for me. And then they backed out last minute and you just got so disappointed and you feel like, dang it, I messed it up. I mean, all those emotions are valid, but they also don't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that does not help you become more successful. So thinking more logically helped me and staying calm, just like staying calm and going, okay, you know, maybe this didn't work out and maybe something better is coming along. And I would say nine times out of 10, any time that I've had something that just was kind of like the freak out level mode, a little bit later down the road, it was looking back. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm so glad that didn't work out because something else better came along. So I've learned from experience. I think that things come around. And so I, my freak out um, meter is very, 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 very low. Like I don't, or maybe it's very high. I don't know. Basically, I rarely freak out anymore. It just, I used to be the freak out queen, I think. But I think staying calm is a big, that's a big thing. Like, I love it because me. I think it's just a huge distraction. Yeah. Like that. And it's, like you said, it's, it is definitely valid to feel the way you feel. Like it's scary and it can be uncertain and it can be, especially the first time something happens. But I think, and this is funny because I see this a lot and I can, I, I work with, obviously, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and there is one, if there is one sort of like new entrepreneurs, and if there is one characteristic that I think defines that separates the successful or the ones who are going to be successful from not is resiliency. And your ability to be resilient really depends on how you approach obstacles. So um, the book by Ryan Blair called Nothing to Lose, he has just a mantra that he repeats. And I read this book and he's the, actually he's the CEO of Vicella Sciences. Uh, I forget, is that company still in business? I think they sold it. Yeah. So his book is called Nothing to Lose. And I remember he said when he was a, a brand new entrepreneur, anytime something went wrong, he would totally catastrophize and be like, oh my God. And yeah. he would take it so personally. He would take the, the failures of the business so personally. And then he had this moment and he's just like, you know, are my emotions like really helping the situation? Or are they just making it worse? It's a huge distraction. So the mantra is the path is all math. 
And I love that oh, because yeah, it was like, that. yeah, it was just like literally like this is just a puzzle to be solved. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this like huge scary thing that like you suck because it happened and you know, you don't have to take it personally. I think if you can just go, okay, cool. Like, and honestly with my clients, if they decide that this is just like a pivotal situation and they keep that pivot mindset and they're like, okay, it's not over here, then it must be over here. Or, okay, this thing didn't work out like you said. And I think that if you can remain calm and that's hard, it is a practice, but the resilient, it allows for you to be so much more resilient and keep going than just catastrophizing and, and being like, this thing's bad. And then this is bad. And then God, this is bad too. And then like, you literally just go down the rabbit hole of it's all bad. And that is a shitty place to be any sort of productive from. Even when my relationship, you know, when my, I found out about the affair, believe me. And I, I had some strong emotional moments, but there were moments I did want to freak out, like in a crazy psychotic way, you know, light everything on fire and throw glass at the beat his car with a baseball bat yeah yeah, all of that but ultimately Britney Spears ultimately staying calm at least breathing through it I think helped the situation I mean there is nothing I can see that freaking out helps except it maybe feels good I don't know I mean there's probably maybe some catharsis that happens If you can, but then you got to get back on task because you still got the fucking problem. Like you still <laughs> exactly, got to get back in. Exactly. Like, all right, cool. Like you have your freak out moment, but then like, okay, so the okay. shit is still here to deal with. Right. So um, I love one? that. I, I did not think of that one. And I love that. I think that is definitely probably one of mine too. Um, mine is to go where the momentum is. And I think you know this about me mm. that I always, and I tell this to my clients too, I think, and I hate this fucking phrase so much, but it is really, it's following your heart. That's really what it is. And I think so many times we can talk ourselves out of following the momentum through logic. So we'll go, yeah, I really, I'm feeling pulled to do this. I really want to do this. This is really feels good for me, but you know what? I just know that, you know, there's no way that could work out. So, you know, I've been dating the dude I'm with for some months now. And at Thanksgiving, I was telling my mom about our kind of like our, our living situation. I just moved out of my place. He, his roommate was moving out of his place. And I was talking through it with my mom. And I was like, it feels a little early to move in together. You know, I don't know if I want to do that. or if I want to live there, but I'm just, I'm open to possibilities. I'm not exactly sure. And she said, well, as most moms do, they just sum it up in like one sentence. She goes, well, <laughs> just, I guess, just follow your heart at this point. And I just was like, you know what? Thank you. And also we would never have even started dating yeah. if we weren't, right? Because there was a lot of things like, uh, you know, he's a fireman, which I respect the fuck out of. And I know so much more about it now, but I had in my head that I would date another entrepreneur. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to date someone who also travels a lot. And, and yeah. you know, he's able to travel, but like going to travel a lot. I'll be an entrepreneur, be like a, like a mover and a shaker and like do this thing. And like the dude on which is fucking solid, you know? And he's yeah. just like, he's a dude's dude and he's solid and he goes to work and he's a, he's great at what he does and he's integrous and like all those kind of things and so I think if I wasn't following my heart I could have talked myself out of that that's one example but I think we talk ourselves out of opportunities with our job or traveling somewhere or um, even you know doing something in our business because we go well that probably won't work out or well and so I think I hate to say this, but sometimes you shouldn't be as rational. You should just go like, literally, where's the momentum? Where do I want to go? What feels good to me? And the second piece of that is then fucking owning it. Yeah. Being like, cool. You know, people ask us all the time, like, I'm thinking about leaving my my relationship. And like, Dan and I would never tell someone to leave or to stay. But honestly, at a high level, I think that if you do choose to leave or you choose to, like, if you choose to stay, I think it'd be a little tougher. But if you choose to leave, you're going to be in an immense amount of pain at the beginning But I think that so long as you own the choice and you believe that 
no, there's no such thing as regrets, you'll fucking figure it out. Yep. You have to trust yourself that you're going to figure out the next step. So for me, I do trust myself. And so going with my heart is not scary anymore. I think it can be when you don't quite trust yourself. Yeah. And if you're someone who goes around and asks for like a million people's opinions, stop that shit. Yeah. Like stop it. And no one can know your heart. You already, you already know what, what it's saying. And, and I hate, as much as I hate, like, listen to your heart or go with your gut or listen to your intuition, all those kind of cliche phrases. That's really, for me, what has created a level of happiness that I never would have achieved otherwise. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of cor- a courage. Yep. And I do think it takes practice as well to, because I, you know, I think growing up in the religion I was in, I got told this a lot, just pray about it. If you don't believe, just pray about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray about it and ask, what What am I asking? I'm asking if this is true. And so I never got, I never got this gut feeling that it was true. And so I was told that I was supposed to get this feeling. And so I would think, well, I must have gotten it not known, or I must not know what that feels like. So I would question my own feelings because I was thinking I'm supposed to get a feeling that it wasn't getting. And so possibly people have maybe an experience like that. It might not be the, the one, but maybe something where they were looking for a feeling that they didn't get and so they denied it or maybe they got a feeling and they they did get a bad feeling make a make a different choice and so then they didn't trust themselves after so i think it can take some practice it takes a practice of maybe making some bad decisions even though you got a gut feeling to not do it and you did it anyway and then going oh shit you know what I should have known like I did I did get a gut feeling about that and I'd say for me it's been that way I've had a couple of times that it's come bit me in the ass where I got a feeling and now um, I try to move faster if I get a gut feeling that something is not right I try to get out of it quicker Um, if I get a gut feeling to do something I try to move in, into it quicker either way. But I think it does take some practice, but I, I really love that one. Yeah. There's a phrase that's like, you either win or you learn. Yeah. And I do believe that that, if that's your mentality going it's into true. those choices, that that will be your reality. Yep. You either win or you will learn and each and both ways are never a waste. Yes. Okay. My second one, I, I'm guessing you might have this one actually, but I made it into a new word. I said consistency-ish. Hmm. So I think any kind of success t- requires consistency. Um, that was what I preached the most in fitness was, you know, people would ask like when I was training for my show, how did you get like that? And I'm like, because I ate the same thing for 12 weeks straight and I did this, like I did 30 minutes of cardio a day, six days a week. And then I did 40 minutes, six days a week. And then I like, you know, I incrementally did something consistently, but this is what can, what this is what I think can trick, trip people up a little bit is that, well, what if I don't, what if I'm not consistent once or twice? And it's the, that's why I said the consistency ish, because I personally, I think I've been very consistent, but there's been times where I've been really inconsistent, but I always came back. So when I was going through my divorce stuff, honestly, I wasn't on social media as much. I wasn't emailing my list as much. I wasn't doing the work that I needed to do, but I got back on it and I didn't get back up with the same, like I was doing Facebook lives or periscopes every day. I haven't done that. Um, but I, I started showing up on Instagram. And so be consistent, be consistent ish, like just basically don't quit. You have to keep going in some way somehow. So while I want to say is consistency is everything and I do believe it is. And I believe the more consistent you can be for the longer amount of time, the more successful you will be. But if shit happens and you fall off the wagon, you just get back on and just get back to a level of consistency you can handle. So I think that 
is really huge for, I mean, for anything, for fitness, for business, for relationships. Mm -hmm. If you are consistently showing up in your relationship, having conversations with your spouse or your partner, your relationship's going to be better. If you're consistently showing up at work, doing your best, you're going to be noticed and get promoted. If you're consistently showing up at the gym and lifting, you're going to get stronger. So consistency is, I think, honestly, really the only way to have success overall eventually. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that. And I love that you put the ish on it because, you know, your behaviors are also cumulative, right? So for example, like if you are, say you're super consistent at the gym for like, for like three months straight, and then something happens, you travel and you kind of get off it a little bit. And then you come back like three weeks later, you take like three weeks off. The three months you did of consistency isn't benign. It's not like you go back to square one. And I think sometimes we make the mistake in the all or nothing way of thinking about things. We're like, oh my God, I'm starting from ground zero. It's like, no, you're not. Same thing in your business. The reason why Danny was able to take some time after her divorce and then come back and still have not lost relevancy was because of all the goodwill that she had built up in her business for however many years that she did. So one of the mistakes I see a lot of people making, especially in their businesses, is if they are having a period of inconsistency, is they come back and they make a huge deal of it. They're mm-hmm. like, hey guys, I'm so sorry I was gone. You know, and meanwhile, like no one fucking noticed. Mm-hmm. You were the one who noticed, mm-hmm. right? So just get back on it. Your efforts are cumulative. If you ate well for a couple of weeks straight and you had like one, like a couple of bad meals, it doesn't mean that those good weeks of eating were benign. Like those still count too. And same thing with your business. Your tr- your business is built on trust. So like you don't lose trust by being gone for a couple of weeks. So try to, in my mind, I would try to lose the all or nothing way of doing things because I think sometimes that can keep us from being like, well, I'm starting from scratch again. And that feels huge in your mind. Just go, cool. One post. Yep. I'm just going to get back on it. One little post uh, with your exercise, with just one workout. Okay. One, you know, healthy salad, you know, my relationship, I'm have one difficult conversation, like one phone call, whatever that is, and you're right back in the game. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) My next one was, I didn't have that one, but I do appreciate consistency. Uh, One, my next one is open and honest behaviors. I do love the quote by Tim Ferriss that says, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. And I have found that my level of, my personal level of happiness, my personal level of fulfillment and depth of relationships in my life have grown leaps and bounds through having uncomfortable and difficult but honest conversations. My relationships with my parents are so much stronger and so much more enjoyable when I'm being myself and when I am showing up as I am, as like fucked up or weird or taboo or like just raw or whatever that looks like, you know, my parents are pretty conservative and I think they don't really understand a lot of the things that I do. They certainly don't understand why I would go and do ayahuasca in the jungle. Like that's scary. That's weird, whatever. And I get it. Like, you know, I I can see it from their perspective. But as soon as I kind of ripped the bandaid off and started showing them who I was and also being super real in my relationships, the filtering system started to happen. Mm -hmm. And then you know, calling someone who I haven't talked to in months doesn't feel really hard. doesn't feel super hard. Like I can have an honest conversation with my parents or a best friend or a sibling 
And it doesn't feel scary because I just started doing it more and more. And I know you had the same kind of situation with your own parents is like, if you can start having more honest revealing of your true self, because I think we have to shed our like child self, yeah. I think a little bit, especially with our parents. Cause we have this, like, I remember, I mean, I still just fucking lie all the time, yep. you know? And like, so then over time you start like lying a little less and start like saying like one little thing that you're, you're like worried. You're like, uh, how are they going to receive this? And then over time you just start being like, you know, I, for example, I started just like cussing in front of my parents mm -hmm. and I could tell that like they were a little shocked and it was like a little jarring at first, but I was just like, you know what? This is fuck I am. Like, I don't, then I wasn't doing it to like shock them and be abrasive, but I was doing it because I was just like, I want to be able to be relaxed yep. and enjoy my relationships. And if I, if we're going to have a relationship, then like, this is who I am. And like, either you get it or you don't. And I love you and I, and I hope for your support and I want to support you being your 100% true self. And so I think for me, Honesty and openness in my relationships has not only made it a lot easier to maintain those relationships, but it has also brought a level of fulfillment and actual feeling of support from those people and feeling as though I can really go to them and we have a strong connection and we have a, like a really deep connection that I can feel like I really get something out of that relationship where I don't know that I did before because I was holding back. I love that. I really learned that a lot from you, just in particular my parents because I would just constantly lie to my mom and because I know they disapprove. Because it was easy. They, and was they easier. disapprove of everything that I was doing and so instead of dealing with their disapproval. So instead of my discomfort of dealing with their disapproval, I would just lie. And ultimately, I f <laughs> Jill was like, well, what would happen if your mom knew you had a tattoo? And I'm like, I don't know. And it, it just turned into something. It started small. And honestly, now I have, I'm the, clo I'm not, I will never say like my parents and I are best friends, but I don't, I'm not afraid now to just tell them what's going on. Like, the other night we came home. I told them about the ayahuasca trip. First thing my mom said was, I'm so disappointed that you would do something like that to your body. And I was like, you don't know what it is yet. So let me tell you. And I actually sat them down for about an hour. I told them the whole experience and I made my mom cry like three or four times. And my dad at the end said, I'm so proud of you. And he gave me a hug. And I was like, and this was before walking in, they were like rolling their eyes. You were, you know, what is wrong with our daughter? She's going to do drugs. Like, what is this all about? You're like such a weirdo. And the old me would have just, one, not even told them I did it, or two, if they found out, just not given a crap. But having the conversation, I think it made it, it made us closer. I think they understood it more. And and even if they didn't, it's like, it was better for me to just be able to get it off my chest and well, go, Well, that's what I'm oh, saying. What is I'm like, doing. If it comes down to feeling success or a level of like, when I think about success, I think of like, again, ease, what emotions are you living in? Mm -hmm. I want to be excited to see my parents. Like I want to be excited to see them at the holidays. I want to be, yeah. I actually miss them. Yeah. You know, like my dad was living in Ireland for a number of years and like, I get excited when I get to see him. And so I think the more honest and open you are, about who you are and who it's a service to them. And, it, and you know, I know you guys may be listening or like, well, that's fine for you guys because it sounds like your parents accepted those things, but maybe my parents wouldn't accept those things about me. And my first question would be like, have you truly let them see those things? And been not like, what's the word? Like, not like bomb dropping about it. You know, you don't have to be like, this is who I am. And like, you know, see if you can deal with it. It's literally like, be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in the shoes of your parents. They're scared for you. They love you. They uh, really care about your well-being. And they're worried that you're in the jungle doing drugs. What does that mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and remember, our parents are in a different generation. They're, they are a little more scared than we are. Yeah. And so try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And when you share something with them that you don't know if they're approved of or not, do it from a place of empathy. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Trust that they can handle it. I think sometimes we don't reveal 
And we don't because we go, well, I know what they would say. Yeah. So we don't even give them the opportunity to understand. And by doing so, we cut off the ability to be in a stronger relationship with them. I agree. I love that. I like that it's a success tip for a relationship more than anything. I love it. Uh, My last one was... I wrote be like water. And what I meant by this was, you know, I think that sometimes we see obstacles as like, well, this is the end of the road and we have to stop. And water finds a way around no matter where, like if it hits a wall, it starts to either like go to the left, it goes to the right, it starts filling up. If it hits a dam, it turns into a lake. Like it just keeps filling and filling and filling. If it hits some kind of, uh, I don't know, barrier, it goes around, it goes around it. Like water goes around, it goes over, it goes under, it goes through, but it's continually flowing. And so I think when it comes to success, sometimes we have these, like maybe we have an idea of how something we wanted to, we wanted it to look a certain way. We thought we were going to like get this job and this was, and then once we got this job, like that was going to set us on our path and it doesn't happen. Well, find another way. There is not only one way to like get to the end of the race, right? Like there's, you can go under, you can go around, you can go over. You maybe have to find a different person to talk to. You maybe have to find a different way to get there. But I think um, for me, one of the things that has allowed me to have some kind of success is to maybe just think different, be creative and just flow and not flow in the way of like, I'm in a workflow, but flow in the way like flow around and, and don't, get stuck. Don't get stuck by something you think is going to make it be over. Nothing's ever over until like you decide it is or you just quit. So yeah. So my third one was like, be like water, find a way around. I love it. That's kind of what I call like a pivot mindset to be like, okay, cool. Like this thing didn't work out. What's next? Mm -hmm. Where, where do we go next? You know, even when our relationships ended, I think it could, we could have easily become really cynical. And I think, you know, I probably did for a a time there, but it was like, there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go. And I think it doesn't look the same as you thought it was going to. So maybe there's a piece of that that's expectation management there. You know, I thought success was supposed to be marriage and kids and a white picket fence. But it looks like I'm going to have to redefine success. Mm -hmm. I might be traveling the globe with my girlfriends and start a podcast and, you know, be single when I'm 40 and you know, get in great shape. And that's going to be my version of success now. Like that's, so I do agree with you. I think it's this constant redefinition of what success might look like. And then also being able to pivot and then own a new reality. I think sometimes people go, well, it doesn't look like it was supposed to. And they're, they, they kick and scream and stomp their feet that it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Yep but it wasn't supposed to be like this. How many people say that all the time, right? It wasn't supposed to be like this. And I think that's common. Like this isn't what I signed up for. Or, you know, I got married and like we said till death do us part, right? It's this constant coming up against obstacles. And then what is your ability to, like you said, find a workaround that might not be what you thought it was going to be, but it, it can be just as good, if not better. And that's a mindset shift. That's really a mindset shift. And I think it takes... Uh, some practice, and a lot of self-awareness. Yeah, 100%. I love it. What's your last one? My last one is essentially say yes and figure that shit out. Um, Like that. You know, one of the things that I, a huge kind of theme that I see and I work with, and I know you do too, a lot of new entrepreneurs, and I always am trying to figure out what are the characteristics that make some people 
eventually become successful or just take off and other people just continue to, to like flail and struggle and never break through. And I'm truly trying to figure it out. And I had mentioned one, which was, you know, having those honest conversations and following your heart. But like the, this was around things that are maybe a little bit scary, a little bit more inconveniencing, a little bit more uncertain. So for example, I know one of the things that you and I are committed to and we've been committed to, and I look around people in our industry people who go to live events Mm -hmm. and I know we've talked about this before but like this is an example of saying yes to some shit that's really fucking inconveniencing yeah and it really is it's so simple to me if you are an entrepreneur and you're trying to start your business you're trying to better yourself in some way you need to fucking go to live events yes you can go to online summits yes you can read blogs yes you can follow people on social media I cannot tell you the value, not only, I mean, cause here's the thing is like, sure, maybe you learn a handful of things at a live event. Great. And you get a couple of takeaways. Awesome. But it's not about that. It's about the connections that you make at live events. It's about leveraging the fact that you did that, that a lot of people are unwilling to do that. I know it's inconvenient. You have the family, you have the kids, you have the parent, you know, you got to get childcare. It's a hassle to get off work. Like I get it. It's more money for accommodations. It is so much easier just be like to just pass up these opportunities. These all these opportunities. Like you know, um, someone wants you to come and give a talk somewhere, even if it's your local area. Someone yep. wants to co- you to come and give a talk, and you've never given one before. It is the easiest thing in the world to just be like, uh, I'll just, I think I'll just going to pass yep. and just stay safe and stay secure and stay small. It is the easiest choice to just make. That's why it's called the status quo. It's easy. It's the easiest thing to do to maintain the status quo. For me too, what it always comes down to like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you're like running a business in South Dakota and nobody's around, you got to go where the people are. You got to go where the stuff is happening. You have to show up. That's why these live events are important. And I've always you know, lived in a bigger city. So there's always things going on in Las Vegas. Or there Dallas wasn't a Winston-Salem. Or, yeah, but exactly. And so it's like, there's things going on, but that's not for everybody. And if you aren't in a place, you have to go to where the stuff you is happening. To. You have to go out there. And because you're not going to get those ideas in your same circles. You're not going to get the breakthroughs that you need. You're not going to get the connections that you need. When people have ever looked at me and go, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. How do you know her? Or how did you know that person? Or how'd you get that opportunity? I'm like, I'm not so lucky. I showed up to some place and I created a relationship and I maintained a relationship over the last eight years, nine years, seven months, two years, nine years, like decade. You know, it's so, it's so crazy how many things maybe are falling into my lap now. And I like put on quotes falling into my lap, but it's from a relationship I have had for eight or nine years. Yeah. So I think going to those events saying yes is so huge. And that's been a crucial part of any of my success. And I know yours too. When we were, when I was in network marketing, um, we always would preach live events to um, our brand partners and people who were in the company because not only that, it's like the energy is contagious. Totally. The energy is contagious. The momentum is contagious. When you see testimonials from other people, like when you go to something and you see people where you're like, oh, they're the same as me and they're having more success than me. Because you... You can easily create stories of go, well, I have kids and I have, you know, my situation's different than anyone else. We all seem to think our situation's different. And then you go somewhere where somebody's doing the thing that you want to be doing with the same situation as yours or worse. And you go and get a fire lit under your ass and you're like, shoot, if they're doing it, then I can do it. Yep. So saying yes is just like. And, you know, I really respect doers and I really respect people who do things that are inconvenient. So for example, you know, I host live events, Danny does too. I've been hosting live events since like 2012 was my first one. And 
without fail, I always get a handful of DMs whenever I'm hosting an event and someone's like, oh my God, I wish I've been trying to come to that. Oh my God, I wish I was there. Oh my God, I really, and like literally it's the same people year after year after year. And I'm starting to lose respect, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And, And that's just like me being super real. If you are constantly saying that you're wishing you could come and you're constantly being like, I like, come, like fucking come. <laughs> yeah. Like, or just don't say or anything. Or just don't. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine. Like I'm available for it, whatever. But like at some point you have to realize you saying that, I know it's a nice gesture. Like I know it's made from a place of like, from a place of love, but it comes off as, it comes off as like, uh, it's like insulting to me in a way. Cause I'm just like, cool. You know, I have these events. Like, it's just like, either don't bring it up to me or like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I know it's done from a place of like love and appreciation, but it's selfish in a way. Like, I'm just like, come, come yeah, yeah. or don't come. Right. You know, but like, uh, thank you for your sentiment. And so I think, I know I talked about this several times in the podcast. So it's, yes, it's live events, but it's also opportunities. You have an opportunity to give a small talk in your local area. Fucking say yes and figure it out. Okay. You have an opportunity to collaborate with someone and, you know, you think you can really learn an amazing lesson. Say yes and figure it out. Even if it fucking is just a disaster, I think you will always learn from those experiences. And I have never met someone who has regretted taking more action. I've never regret, I've only, and they've actually shown this, that people always regret the things that they didn't do more than things that they've done. Very few people actually regret things that they have done. They don't go, oh, I I wish I never did that. People have regrets that they didn't do things. Yep. And so for me, that level of success, I think you can only get to a level of success if you are willing to do things that are uncomfortable as shit and be inconvenienced for the sake of success. I love these. I love that we had three different ones. We did. That was six total ones. Six. Look how much value this things. podcast provided. I know. I love this because it's it's just fun. Like we get to, we sit down, we like take our little notes out and we scribble. We're like, okay, see what you're going to get. And so I know <laughs> sometimes we could have the same thing, sometimes not, but I really yeah. loved, I really loved that. I loved yours too. So All cool. right. Well, let, let us know you guys, like, how do you define success? I would be interested in that. Like, is it straight up money for you? Is it straight up body goals? Is it straight up, you know, family, kids, solid job? Like, and by the way, there's no right or wrong. No. I think that's what Danny said at the beginning. It's like, it's totally subjective. No right or wrong. 100%. Um, so that's why we wanted to share things that we feel like have contributed to our level of success or the feeling of success and whatever that means. And so, um, yeah, we would like to hear from you. Yeah. We've already established that I am the least successful around here with a, you know, you no don't car, even have a fucking car. No car, no house. No. I do have clothes on my back so that I got something. Okay. You have wine. <laughs> so we'll hang out we love you. you guys. Make sure you find us on the Instagram at the Best Life Podcast because we've been posting some fun stories, some memes to make it fun, gives you some laughs, LOLs. And please subscribe. And if you haven't yet, I would really, really love, 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 love if you left us a review. We have some great ones, but we haven't had any in a while and I like reading them. So if you like this, or even if you don't like it, leave a review. That's cool too, because maybe you need to warn people to never turn this on. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and if you guys really like an episode, please share on your Instagram story. We always regram those uh, for our audience. And if you feel like people who follow you would really benefit from the messages, um, or if something really resonate with you, we are always so grateful when you share it with your people, because that's how we get the message out more. Yes, love you, love you guys. Bye. Talk to you soon.